This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 193 called Lisa White. Hello, Infertile AF listeners. This is Blair Nelson over at Fab IVF Mama on Instagram. I am the co-founder of Fertility Rally with Allie, and I am here today to invite you to our fifth Fertility Rally Live happening virtually October 22nd. Fertility Rally Live is an event that we host each fall and spring specifically for the infertility community to educate and inspire you all on your own unique paths to becoming parents or not. And what you can expect at Fertility Rally Live is a keynote speaker, two panels, 12 different breakout sessions, an afternoon reset. And of course, we will end the day with a happy hour like we love to do over at the rally. So exciting news. For the first time ever, we are offering this event to anyone and everyone who is interested for free. We are so excited to be able to do this for our community. So if you would like to join us, you can go claim your ticket at the Fertility Rally Instagram. There is a link in our profile to claim your ticket. It is super easy. The best part about Fertility Rally Live is that you don't actually have to be there on October 22nd. As you claim your ticket, you will have access to all of the content, which is eight plus hours of support and education starting October 22nd for 30 days. So go claim your ticket today. Go over to the Fertility Rally on Instagram. The link is there in our bio. If you have any questions, reach out to us. We cannot wait to see you there. And we cannot wait to offer this to our community for free. Sending so much love to all of you. Enjoy today's show. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part, if you use code Alley 15 you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code Allie, 15, A-L-I, 15, A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. Okay, guys, I'm so excited to finally have Lisa White on the show. She and I have been friends for the past couple years, maybe almost three years since I first launched the podcast. She is an author, an IVF mentor, and an occupational therapist. She's written a book that so many of you love called Hold On Baby. And today she's going to talk about riding the emotional roller coaster of IVF, how it can feel overwhelming and lonely and painful. She's going to talk about her own experiences, having her daughter, and then she's going to talk about what she does today and some of the highlights of her book. So she's amazing. She's super soulful. I always feel really good after talking to her. So hope you guys enjoy this one. Without further ado, this is Lisa's Infertility Story. Lisa. 
Lisa White. Oh my gosh. I can't believe we haven't done this before. We've (laughs) been friends for a couple of years now. You've done tons of collabs with Fertility Rally and we just adore you. You have this incredible book that everybody talks about all the time called Hold On Baby. We're going to get to that later, but um, thank you for being here. It's so good to see you. Gosh, I'm excited for this talk. Thanks for having me here. (laughs) Of course. So let's start at the beginning. Did you always want to be a mom? Always. Yeah. I mean, as long as I can remember, like, I just never envisioned anything different. Like, I just knew it would happen one day. Like, okay. What happened? I mean, you don't know how it's all going to come to be, but I think, you know, oh, we're going to do it the old fashioned way, right? Like, find your significant other and you go down the path and it all just happens like that, right? Of course. <laughs> Easy peasy. Okay. Podcast is over. Thank you. Great to see you. Um, no, no, so tell me what happened. Let's fast forward a whole bunch. Tell me what happened when you got married, started to try all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I got married later in life. I was 35 when I met my husband and we um, dated for a year. We're engaged for a year. We started trying. And after about a year of trying, we were like, okay, like maybe we should seek out some testing, figure out what's going on. And very naively just was like, okay, like this is all just going to happen for us. We're going to figure out what's going on and they're going to give us an answer. And we did get answers. <laughs> we found out we had some male factor issues. Okay. And so what I, had been happening to that up to that point? Had you guys not, you just hadn't been getting pregnant. You didn't have no, losses. Never, no pregnancy test. Okay. So what, what tests did they do for you on your husband? Um, they did a whole semen analysis. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there for that, but he saw a specialist and I saw a specialist and they ran both of our kind of labs and my egg numbers looked really good. Actually my AMH. So I was what 37 ish at the time, Mm -hmm. 37, 38. Okay. And, um, he was like early mid forties. So, Mm -hmm. um, we learned that it would like trying to have a baby naturally, like without assisted reproductive you know, technology, like was about a 1% chance. Okay. So but what was the specific like, diagnosis for him? Mm, well, like, you know, there's about four different factors for sperm and I don't think he'd mind me sharing. Like we had like three of the four factors were pretty affected. Okay. I can't remember exactly, but like, you know, the number, the motility, the mm-hmm. shape, like all those different things. I don't know. If okay. But um, how did it feel when you guys found that out? Oh, it was pretty devastating. I mean, at least we had some answers and it was like really emotionally hard. I know on my husband, cause it's like, okay, like, um, we're going to give us our all and hope this comes out for us like to work out. So we just kind of like had hope, you know, that we were seeing specialists who could guide us down the path that would lead us to our baby. Um, okay. and I had polyps too. I wanted to add that too. I, I learned that I had polyps in my uterus that needed to be taken out. Okay. So mm-hmm. did they give you any advice in terms of like sperm health? Like you can do these things before you try like assisted reproductive technology or anything to like improve the the sperm health? Medication, like some, I, I'm trying to remember now, it was like a nutritional supplement of some kind to like try to generate some healthier numbers. But mm-hmm. I don't remember us taking that, taking that very seriously. It was kind of like, okay, we're going to, we're going to trust that they are guiding us and things moved forward pretty quickly where I had to have my polyp surgery. Actually, I should step back. It was, I had to do the egg retrieval first. Okay. So tell me about the retrieval process for you. What did you know about 
Did you know uh-huh. anything about IVF? Did you have any friends who had gone through it? Like, where did you oh. enter this world? How much did you, hmm. were you, how much were you armed with? I knew very little. I had a friend that had done an IUI back in the day when I lived in San Diego. I remember her doing shots and just thinking back in my head, wow, that's a lot to go through to try to have a baby. You know, I did not have too many friends that had gone through this. So no, I was just entering this whole unknown. We went through an introductory IVF class where they kind of teach you at the, the clinic. Like it's a bit overwhelming to be honest. Like mm-hmm. here are the medications that you're going to be taking. Here's what the needles look like. I remember it was like maybe a couple hours or something like that. You learn like how to administer a shot in this like fake little butt. <laughs> I totally remember that too. I feel like they gave us like it was like an, not like an orange, but it was just like a ball yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. yeah. And then yeah. they're like, okay. And you're on your way. Yeah. Good like, luck. Like, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Like really kind of just, what are we getting into? I mean, didn't understand abbreviations, didn't understand, but we're going, we're like open, we're learning. I'm thankful I had him by my side. Cause just remembering all of this is like mm-hmm. a whole packet of information. So no, I didn't have a lot of information, but I did have a friend who was an OB and she was the one who did direct us to the clinic we went with. Mm-hmm. So that helped to like have a little guidance. Cause I just didn't even know where to begin. And honestly, I didn't even have an OB for all my life. I'm probably one of the few who just saw their primary care doctor for like everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. I got an OB later and I got an OB when I transitioned. Uh huh. So you know, when you graduate from the clinic. Right. Okay. So tell me about specifically that, that retrieval, that oh, first yeah. round, like, how did mm-hmm. you feel? How did you respond to the meds and all that stuff? And what was the protocol like in general? You're taking me way back. I know. Right. <laughs> oh my God. I don't remember any of this stuff for my like, own. So right no worries. Right. If you're like blocked any of it out, uh, that's pretty common. I feel is, like uh, 2016, let's see 2015. I remember the fall, we got our medications mm-hmm. and started let's see, this was fall of 2015. So taking the medications, initially my husband would set up all the meds and I administered my own shots. And I did that throughout. I gave myself my own shots. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't love needles so much. So, (laughs) yeah, but I honestly was following the protocol to a T. I told myself like, this is not my area of specialty. I don't know how the dosage, the medications, I did not investigate like all the meds and research really anything. I did what they told me to do. Um, they said, this is the protocol we're going to put you on. It was pretty straightforward. Like had the dates, the calendar dates, all the ultrasound appointments, the blood work appointments. And I just checked it off. Like, mm-hmm. and I was working full-time too, at the time as an occupational therapist. And mm-hmm. so just kind of living my life and went through our first egg retrieval got, you're going to ask me the number. I had a lot of, I had a lot of follicles and again, in the ultrasounds, they're pointing out all the follicles and I'm like, okay, great. Like, I just didn't even know, like, those are great numbers. Everything's looking really good. Uh A lot of eggs. And ultimately we got four embryos and decided to do genetic testing. And as you know, (laughs) they came back all genetically unhealthy. How did that feel? Tell me oh, about that devastation. Oh, I was in the clinic, actually, believe it or not, like checking in for an appointment, mm-hmm. preparing for the polyp surgery when I got the news that I had no embryos, the no matching chromosomes. Like I was just kind of in shock. I remember mm-hmm. like standing, checking into the clinic and then getting this call 
from, I think somewhere in the office. I don't even know how that all went down, but I just kind of started just, uh, my body kind of just got numb. I was like, Oh my God, like that was all for nothing. I felt like, you know, I felt like that. Yeah. And I called my husband right away. He came to pick me. He came to console me, came over and we regrouped and we knew things were like, okay, set a setback. Like I'm not having the polyp surgery next. We got to regroup and try to figure out, are we, we're going to do another egg retrieval. We knew we were, Uh huh. and we did do another egg retrieval pretty like consecutively. I can't remember like how many months later. Okay. Did you do the same protocol for that one? They tweaked it a little bit. Okay. You can ask me what they did. And I honestly cannot remember what yeah. they did. I took That's some fair. dosage medication of something. Uh-huh. And I got three embryos. We got three embryos and then did genetic testing. And that wait, obviously we all know that waiting period of like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. I'm, just like I'm praying for one, like one come back. And I was at work and I got the call that we had one. We had okay. one healthy embryo out of three Yep, and tears. I was just so overjoyed. And I called my husband and we're both crying on the phone and it was like, wow, like we're holding on to hope for this one. Yes. Hold on, baby. Hold on, baby. (laughs) Exactly. Had you started working on the book at this point at all or no? No, It wasn't even really a thought. Okay. So we'll get to that. I've been journaled my whole life. So I was documenting like everything that I was going through. Okay. So tell me about, I know you talk about this a lot in the book too, which again, we'll get to, but you know, what's, how is the like emotional roller coaster of this all for you? It's like, it's painful. It's lonely. It's overwhelming. You know, you will talk a lot about staying hopeful. What was going on in your mind and like in your relationship? There were a lot of factors at play. Um, my mom's health was going downhill. So there was that other factor within my family. Mm-hmm my relationship with my husband, um, we, we were confident that like, okay, we have one going, going on for, you know, we're going to keep moving forward with this, just that whole waiting period. Um, mm-hmm. you would think after our one embryo, oh, we're going to move right to a transfer. Right. But no, that wasn't the case. <laughs> so when they were scheduling, they scheduled my polyp surgery and I had that, um, went well three months okay. later they found out I had scar tissue. Okay. I mean, there's just, this is part of the emotional ride I'm talking about is right. just back after setback that you don't plan for. Right. And how do you hold on to hope during all of these unpredictable events? Yeah. Had you guys talked about like ba- possibly banking any more embryos or mm-hmm. were you like, we're going to transfer the one when the time is right yeah. and we'll yeah. just go from there? We were approached by our doctor at the time to, and they used the term bank, which I thought was so kind of Mm. Yeah. Well I think me. I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> it was like bank. Yeah, you, you said it too. No. Yeah. It, hey, I mean, that's what people say. And like, yeah. again, this it's, whole process, it just felt very like impersonalized when. Yeah. It does sound a little inhuman, was, right? Inhumane. And, first, and then our first doctor left the practice. So that doctor, <laughs> it's just like, that was unpredictable. How could I have thought that she was going to leave, you know? Mm-hmm. So she used the term bank. Yeah. I really think we need to bank more embryos. And mm-hmm. it's like, bring the humanity back to this. Right. <laughs> right. What's a better word for it? Yeah, Store, create, move forward in giving yourself some more chances for this to work. Okay. Yeah. Maybe nice to hear, but we did not bank. Okay. <laughs> we looked at each other and we're like, we're I'm going to think of you now every time I say that. 
<laughs> we're just moving forward um, with our one. And again, I write about this. We were probably pretty naive about it all. Like, yeah, thinking. you and I have talked about that before. Cause I also had the one. Yeah. We've yeah. talked about this. So tell me what you're, were you like, okay, one, it's, it's going to work. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I believed that if I could optimize my well-being, taking care of myself, my spirit, my just mindset and like mm-hmm. being this active participant, which I think is so good for anyone who is on this path to really be like involved in like the way you're going about this, choosing how you're approaching. I mean, it's financially a huge investment, obviously it's emotionally a huge investment. All of these factors in our life are at play. Right. And I mm-hmm. didn't fully grasp that until I think later on, mm-hmm. but going through this, I was just going to feel, I was going to ride the wave. I, I just knew that, okay, this is a ride. I don't have a lot of control over what happens, but I can control how I'm going to approach it and yes. the attitude I'm going to carry and the mindset I'm going to carry. And everything I can do within my power. That's such an important thing to say, Lisa, because, you know, as we all know, there's so much out of your control when you're going through this. And, Uh, you know, even if you do quote unquote, all the right things, mm. it still isn't a guarantee. Sometimes it still doesn't work out and it can feel so unfair and so overwhelming. And so just like, what the fuck? Like, why, why is this not happening for me? So I, that was a big coping mechanism for me as well. And I'd love to hear more about how you did. It was just controlling the things that I could control. So can you give us a couple of examples? I know you write about this too, like things that, you know, you were able to like get on top of or stay on top of, or feel like you had control over. Yeah. I I had an intention in my mind. I kept that at the focus of my brain, like an aim and intentions, like an aim. What are you Mm -hmm. aiming for? Mm Mm-hmm. And what was I calling in and what was I going to step into instead of focusing on the lack of, instead of being in that energy of, I don't have this yet. I don't have a baby yet. Why not? Why me? There's that kind of energy, right? Or I was going to focus on this, like leaning into this unknown. And that's what I speak a lot about is just trusting in the unfolding. This is, this was all happening for me Mm. and it it was a calling on my heart, which for many, like you have this desire to be a mom. I was going to step fully into this trusting and leaning into the woman that I wanted to become and be that person now. Mm-hmm. So coming from a place of wholeness within myself was really essential. And I optimized my self-care, prioritizing my own needs. What was I paying attention to? What was I saying yes to? What was I saying no to? What did I want to create in my life? And I attracted a book club, a community of women that really uplifted me and supported me. That's something that I leaned into. It was something I hadn't really experienced, right? Like just this things that were presented to me. Hey, this is, maybe try this and follow your curiosity. Mm-hmm. That book, Big Magic, that um, Liz Gilbert talks about. It's like follow yes. your curiosity, right? Lean in. And so I, I just trusted I'm going to surround myself with like-minded people. That was a big thing. And I think what you offer with fertility rally is like having that like-minded tribe of women to uplift you. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to do this alone, you know? Right. I surrounded myself in community was a really big one. And then through that, all the magic and all the serendipity and signs and things just start appearing. Like I met a Reiki practitioner through that book club uh-huh. and I did Reiki with her. And then in my book club, I met a woman who was looking for people to do a beta program 
for her art program. And I was like, Ooh, this calls to me. Like, listen to what calls to you. I think that's a big piece of advice. I would say, listen to what is calling to you. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And I listened and I followed uh, this, did the art program. And it was like the perfect timing, doing art, leaning, doing creative work, letting myself be free, step into flow to paint. And I was still writing, writing out my, uh-huh. that's a huge one. A huge do, you, do you think at the core, like, why do you think that was so beneficial? Like, was it not like a distraction? Cause that sounds a little harsh, yeah. but like, there's that theory, right? That, you know, like if you, when you want something so badly and you're holding on so tightly that it's almost like there's not the space for it to come yeah. in. Exactly. You are giving yourself space to allow the magic in. Mm-hmm. That's often yeah. something I see women who are going through this ride, like trying so hard and trying to do it all where it's like, if we can maybe simplify and do the inward work, the Mm -hmm. inward kind of examination. So through this art, I was letting myself be free and I could paint out frustration or if I'm journaling, I could write out frustration and get it Mm -hmm. out of my body. Mm -hmm. Our body holds so much. Right. So do you feel like not (laughs) only did that help ground you like mentally, do you think that that helped you physically as well? Completely. Yeah. I felt like this sense of wholeness and fullness within that I was like, I I could handle this, whatever hard thing was going to come my way, whatever setback was going to try to derail me. Mm-hmm. I was centered. I was grounded. I felt safe within my body. And I was in more of that parasympathetic state that like more calmed. I, I wasn't in a sense of fight or flight. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest keys is like people who are in this heightened state. Yes. It's having an effect on your body for sure. Right. How are yeah. we going to call a baby in and, and welcome a baby into that space? Right. Have a successful transfer op, you know, optimizing that environment. If we're in this heightened state of just like ball of nerves, forcing worry, anxiety. Right. And so by recognizing and, and you know, being an OT and occupational therapist, I understood like self-care was a priority. And I was really aware be- becoming the observer of my body, almost like stepping, taking like a bird's eye view of this mm-hmm. whole picture of everything going on, mm-hmm. getting outside of yourself a little bit. And so I recognized I'm going to do this really differently. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to go about this in a unique way. And that's what I did. <laughs> I love that. So the subtitle of your book is a soulful guide to riding the ups and downs of fertility. Yeah. There is a lot of soulfulness in mm-hmm. this. And, you know, you talk about deepening that sense of trust in yourself and your baby to be. So tell me a little bit more about that. How can somebody just feeling so like they're drowning, drowning or fledgling? How do they even begin to get to that headspace? Oh, good question. (laughs) I mean, it's not something we think about oftentimes with IVF, right? Like it's such a medical process. It's a very medical based procedure, right? So the soulfulness is really of the softening, the softening side of this. Where instead of being in this like doing energy where so much you can relate, I know we, we all who have, have endured this path, we're doing the shots and we're doing all the appointments and we love, you know, don't love Wanda. All oh of my the God. things we like are doing, doing or going to acupuncture and doing all the things. It's like a reverse side of that where it's how do we step into a space of more ease, more being. And this is the soulful part I'm talking about. It's like looking at oneself in a really deep way, 
mm-hmm. what resonates with us. If we're striving to become a mom and we want to connect with this baby to be who we know is there waiting for us, I think any of us on this path, like we know it's going to happen one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. For us, it's trusting that it will all come to be in the right time. Mm-hmm. And that is a really hard thing to get to. I know mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to that space. But what but- about? I guess just playing a little bit of devil's advocate, like it doesn't yeah. always happen for everybody, right? Like you don't always end up Are you with a baby. About not working for everybody. Yeah. Or, you know, some people that are going through assisted reproductive technology, mm-hmm. even surrogacy, you know, it doesn't always work mm-hmm. out. So how do, how do you, maybe for somebody mm-hmm. that's in that space where they haven't had success yet, and they may walk away without a, a baby at the end of this, how do you, how can they like, I guess, use that same kind of mindset or, or come to terms with that? Well, of course, yeah, there are no guarantees on this path. And I can't speak for everyone to know why it doesn't work. In the case of IVF, if, if IVF wasn't going to work for us, we knew that there were other paths to parenthood. I guess that's what I mean. Like mm-hmm. there are other paths to parenthood. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately it's about not letting yourself go through this process. And knowing that you're going to be okay, no matter what the outcome, you know, that's, yeah, I love that because that that's like one of the biggest challenges I see is so many lose themselves through this Mm -hmm. ultimately with or without a baby, like you don't want to lose yourself. Right. And, um, holding on to yourself. That's kind of the essence of my book. It's really focusing on you and optimizing your joy and optimizing like your well-being where yes, there's gonna be life challenges throughout our life. And I speak about this that this is a chapter of our lives, but so many people make it the whole book. Like if I'm not a mom, mm-hmm. I'm just not worthy or I'm not whatever, you know, mm-hmm. where a baby's not gonna complete you. You really want to feel like whole and complete within yourself. So that's really the message I try to preach is like we have things in our life that happen that are challenges, you know, all the time we experience them daily, <laughs> right? And how do, how are we going to navigate through those? You're right. Healing and trusting in the unknown. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't right. learn with COVID. We learned it with all kinds of situations. So it's like a matter of leaning into this unknown, right? Seeing that the path will be shown for you. Okay. I love the idea you know, you're focusing a lot on feeling empowered mm-hmm. and, you know, I, 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 this just occurred to me that the book title is, is not, it's kind of like a double meaning, right? It's like, hold on baby, the reader and hold on baby, your future baby. Like, I love that. Exactly. Um, because until you can hold on to yourself first. I just got that Lisa. Oh, <laughs> it just clicked with me. I feel like I had an aha moment. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I did, you know, for anybody who hasn't read Lisa's book again, you know, check it out because it is the message about feeling inspired and connected to yourself, I think is really important. So before we get back to the chronology of what happened with you, can you tell me a little bit more about not losing yourself? Because that was a really hard thing for me. And I know so many of our people in this community and listeners and fertility rally members are like, I don't even remember who I used to be mm-hmm. before this. You know, you put those blinders on and you're like, gotta have a baby, gotta have a baby. You're giving up on things that you love. You're, you know, yeah. putting things off. You're not going on vacations. You're not connecting with your partner. If you have one, like, how do you not mm-hmm. lose yourself? 
Ooh, you're asking some good questions. <laughs> I feel that um, it's a remembering of who we are. And these parts of us, they feel like they've left us, but they've never really left you. So when you get quiet and do this inner work that I guide clients through, it, it is a tapping back into what brings you joy and what lights you up. So for so many, you know, it's just reconnecting to that part of themselves that they may have stashed away and forgotten and kind of shelved. It's like disconnecting that part of their lives. And they're just focused on baby making (laughs) Mm -hmm. where I believe integrating both is essential. And I think like journaling, the journaling prompts I give helping people really remember what did they, what did you love to do as a kid? For example, what were some things that you loved to do? Were you big in adventure? Were you, were you into sports? Were you crafty and into making things? I do believe that creative energy is is huge going through this. So turning on that power, turning on that energy, fueling, and the more joy you're feeling, the greater happiness you're feeling within, that enhances this experience 100%. I think that's where the missing, one of the biggest missing links is. It's People are so focused on just getting to the destination and being pretty miserable along the way where I feel like, how can we enhance this ride and make it more enjoyable, bring in the magic, bring in all that, <laughs> the right people showing up at the right time, right? Yeah. It, it can be a more magical ride. Um, I love the notion of, you've said this before, what lights you up? I think that's such a good thing to try to hold in the back of your mind when you're going through this, because it, it can be such a dark time too. And when we're like, you know, I'm all about manifestation <laughs> and a big part of manifestation is that energy, it is all energy. So if we're vibrating at a really low energy of the fear and the worry and the sadness that is not getting us closer to, you know, manifesting our desires when we're in a space of more joy and more gratitude and appreciation. This is something I learned through maybe you've heard of um, Esther Hicks, Abraham work. So Mm, I don't think so, actually. uh, It's a wonderful book. There's a great book called Ask and It Is Given. And she talks about this emotional guidance scale. And there's like over 20 different emotions. And so the lowest vibrating frequencies are the fear and the worry. And how many people are vibrating at that when they're going through fertility challenges, IVF. They're consumed by fear, worry, sadness, grief, and then the highest set point is this joy and love and appreciation and gratitude. So the more you can tune into those energies, the quicker I believe your manifestation can occur. The You're just more in alignment. It's about being in alignment to attract those desires your way. Okay. Add that piece to it. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Let's talk more about what was going on with you, Lisa. So you've got the one embryo. One um, embryo. Are you gearing up for a transfer at this point? Okay. So polyp surgery was next. Then three months later, they did a check and I had scar tissue. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was a fun surgery I had on our anniversary. I remember in July. Okay. Um, So had the surgery, we were getting closer to a transfer. I started meds on blood in my uterus, like a week before the transfer Mm -hmm. unexpectedly which they halted my transfer because we had one embryo, right? They're just doing everything to optimize our one embryo. 
So the transfer was canceled. My doctor left the practice. (laughs) We're in limbo. This is over a period of about a year. And just wondering and waiting, like, okay, what are the next steps? We got set up with my new doctor who I do those clinical conversations with Dr. Green. He's wonderful. And he Uh discovered I had fibroids. Okay. (laughs) So on fibroids and it's like, again, and I, I talk about this, how these setbacks can be blessings in disguise. Okay. Had fibroids that they detected and thank goodness they found those. Cause then I had to have those removed and we're optimizing this one embryo. Uh-huh. So you mean <laughs> blessing in disguise in that good thing they found them. Because found it because what if I had otherwise had right. and these fibroids could have impacted it from implanting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I just have a client right now. She just found out she was getting gearing up for her transfer and boom, has to have fibroid surgery. It's like these things happen and I don't know why. And I could dwell on why did this happen? Was it the meds? Was it all the stim meds? Like this. Right growth, who knows? I mean, I didn't want to wallow in the why, Mm -hmm. but we got answers. We got clarity, had surgery, move forward, heal. And then in January of 2017 had our one transfer and and it took. Okay. Tell me about gearing up for that transfer. Hmm. Did you do, what did you do? Like specific, do you remember, like, did you do anything specifically? Mm -hmm. Okay. Talk us through that, please. I started seeing, let's see, there are a lot of different people I saw. I saw an acupuncturist after our gearing up for the second egg retrieval, I got introduced to an acupuncturist. So I was doing some acupuncture. Cannot remember how many frequent, but how often I was going, but he had recommended different times of my cycle. Um, but I did do that the day of transfer and a few days before somewhere in, the, in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was doing Reiki, mm-hmm. my Reiki practitioner, probably one to two times a month, um, helping me. And I just felt like this deep inner peace and relaxation with that, just helping me feel balanced within. Mm -hmm. I was journaling. I was still living life. I, I didn't put it on hold trying to eat well. I mean, I really didn't do anything drastic with my diet, Okay, but, um, followed the guidelines or guidance of my doctor and my acupuncturist warming foods, more warming foods. Yeah. I, well, actually, I'll tell you one thing that might help a lot of people. I was doing nightly foot hot foot soaks. Okay, that's something my acupuncturist had recommended, and and in you know the the uterus and the and the feet are connected. Uh huh. This and I learned. So, so, did you have a specific like potion that you were soaking them in? No, I just used warm water and okay. I a little one of those foot spa things that vibrate. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> And I did them nightly and it was a real meditative practice for me Okay, where I could just sit and soak for like 15 to 20 minutes. I did Uh that nightly leading up to transfer. And then even after transfer for a good few weeks, maybe even a couple of months, it was Mm -hmm. just like, and I didn't put like, hold it on myself. Like, Oh, I, if I didn't do it every night, like, you know, it was more like I had to do it nightly. And that was just super relaxing. I slept better. Yeah. Well, there's also that thing of you know, if you're stressed about doing something, like I remember my, like getting to acupuncture at one point became stressful because it was like, ah, and then it was like, well, I'm totally, if you're stressed about doing these self-care things, then maybe it's not worth it, you know? No. So if you miss the foot bath one night, like that's okay. Exactly. And I kept writing, I was still writing out everything Mm -hmm. and writing about my experiences, which was really therapeutic for me. At what point did you know you had a book on your hands? Mm, I... Let me think about that one. 
I remember going through the process, writing down key moments and key experiences. Like I remember making like a top 10 and don't ask me to repeat it right now, but it was like top 10 things for anyone going through this to know. Yeah. And I was like writing down all these different things to remember about the importance of community and your mindset and the energy. And I was documenting different things to really be aware of. And so I was like, maybe one day I would share that in some capacity with those going through this ride, but it wasn't in probably until I was holding my daughter when she was five months old and I'm looking at her and I'm just like, this realization came over me. Like you need to write a book about this. You need to share your story and the, the out of the box way you went through this and to give hope to others and just share like Mm -hmm. nothing to hide. It was like, this transformed me in a really deep way. And I just knew that I didn't want to keep it within. And I knew and and discovered later how many more people were going through this. And it's Mm -hmm. like, like more story. I didn't see my book, like like a, a book like mine out there. No, right. Cause it, your book came out, what was it? 2020 or before 2020. that? I wrote okay. it in 2019. Yeah. I started writing it in 2019 and I released it on mother's day of 2020. Yeah. COVID, I had no idea like, <laughs> when all that was going to happen, but yeah, that's like right before we launched fertility rally, which was June yeah. 1st of 2020, also mid pandemic. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably right when I met you too. Yeah. Well, tell me about going back to your story with your daughter. <laughs> what did it feel like? to that, that it had worked and you got that call and the betas are rising and everything's looking good. Oh my gosh. It was like probably one of the best feelings in the, in the entire world. I mean, Mm -hmm. getting that phone call, I was out seeing home health clients at the time (laughs) and I like pulled up to a house. I was about to go in and I get the call. I'm in my car and I was by myself. And the nurse said, Lisa, something to tell you, you're pregnant. You're very pregnant. And it was like my number. I, it was over 300. It like went to a thousand the next, it was just like, boom, you know, right way up there and tears. I mean, it tears and I'm yes. and I cannot come see you right now. I call my husband, we're crying on the phone and just this overwhelming feeling of joy. And during that two week wait, I honestly like felt really good. Like I didn't, I wasn't in the like over consuming, overthinking that whole thing. Okay. Did you test re like an never. early tester? Or no. Okay. Allie, I've never seen a positive pregnancy test for myself in my life. Gotcha. <laughs> like I never saw it. I just gotcha. Um, no, I did not test. I I'm really aware of my body and I could feel like even just the day of transfer, I come I came home, my dog right on my belly. Like maybe others can relate, like they're little, you know, fur babies. He, right. he knew he was on my belly. I'm resting. Yep. I was um, lying on the couch and I, I was kind of worried about doing stairs. I kind of looked back, like, do I crawl up the stairs? I don't want to do anything to impact like this little embryo in me. Um, but later I've learned through talks, like with my fertility doctor, like a little light activity is good. Stairs aren't going to hurt you, all that stuff. Uh-huh. I was down and really taking really good care of myself. I did do a little bit of like pineapple core. I did yeah. some of that, but didn't do anything super crazy, nurturing mm-hmm. foods, nourishing foods, things like that. Okay. Yeah. And then how did the pregnancy funny go? Movies too. You got to watch some funny stuff. Yes, exactly. How was the pregnancy? Pregnancy was good. I, um, later in my pregnancy. Um, so I'm trying to think I had her in September around the May time frame. I remember just like 
my legs started swelling big time. Mm-hmm. Wait, what year was it? September what? I had her in September 17. Okay. She's turning five this month. I can hardly believe it. I know. it's wild, um, right? So yeah, I, I had swelling and they said I had a little bit of preeclampsia. I knew that I was going to deliver her at 37 weeks. They told me that by via C-section because of all of the surgeries and things I had on my uterus, they were okay. like, we're going to have you go early. So I knew 37 weeks, have a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wore compression socks. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. That was fun. I did a lot of elevating my feet with some ice packs on them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh boy. But honestly, I had a really good pregnancy. I love being pregnant. I actually miss it. I miss having that bump and um, was working again through the whole time. And I did enjoy it. I wish I took more pictures. I think of my bump. I look Mm -hmm. back. I'm grateful for the ones I have, but yes, have your significant others, like capture your waddle down the hall. Like I I know that like, and I've peed a lot. I was peeing, but anyway, I, uh, I didn't know that our C-section was going to have some complications. So I think you and I shared a little bit about that. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So our baby was healthy, but during our C-section, they discovered I had placenta accreta Mm -hmm. where the placenta was attached to my uterus. And I had a lot of bleeding. My doctor was asking, I think my husband, like how many fibroids did she have? And like all the things like just, I, we wanted this calm birth environment and I was pretty medicated. So I just remember kind of portions of it, but yeah, it was a little craziness to be honest. I had to have a couple blood transfusions Uh actually after that. And they did stop the bleeding. I was in the hospital for about five days and they warned me when I was in the hospital, they, you know, they said, you, you really cannot carry another child with your uterus the way, the way it is. It's just, you know, if we wanted to try and have more, I'd have to have a surrogate, but we only had our one embryo. Right. So they stopped the bleeding and I'll share with you that three weeks later, three weeks had passed and they were, they just encouraged me, you know, be aware of your body. If you're passing any big clots, mm-hmm. really just pay attention to that. And if it's like the size of your palm, like call us immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember holding my baby and I set her down and I went to the bathroom and passed a big clot and yeah. I knew something wasn't right. So called my husband, he came home right away. Our neighbor helped us with our little three week old and we rushed to the hospital. And I remember kind of just kind of coming in and out of consciousness a little bit. I was bleeding. Yeah. Were you calm or were you kind of freaking out? A mixture of both. I was like, just trying to control, like focus on what I could control, I guess my breathing and like, we're going to be fine. Everything's okay. Everything. My husband was freaking like, you know, going down the freeway, like, I don't remember hundred miles an hour, something like that. Right. Just getting, and we were, I don't know, 40 minutes away or something, 30 minutes away, but he got there quickly. My doctor was waiting there for me and took me in and they did an emergency hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, save my life, right? Like take right. it anymore. It's just right. Like, did I was okay have, with it. I was okay with it. Did you, you know? have a grieving process after that? I don't think fully. Yeah. And to be honest, I think it's still a process. Yeah. I have done sense. a lot of healing work and it's never something that's fully over. Right. I have done some 
womb work with friends, Uh with meditations and kind of like womb clear that space of clearing and healing. It's, it's something that no, I have not a hundred percent. Like you're a hundred percent get over it. You never get over it. You, you work through and I'm so grateful my body could like carry our baby and like get us to the say finish line, right? 37 weeks, healthy baby. And then my doctor, she even like sent me a picture of our uterus. So I was like, Oh my, I just, I'm, I'm in the medical, you know, being in the medical field. Right. I was like, this is so cool. Like it's still have it. I have the picture. Yeah. Yeah. The body's so amazing. Right. Oh, it's like, it was incredible to think like, wow, my body could carry this beautiful, healthy child. And it did what it was supposed to do. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. no, I think the healing work, it's just a continual process. Yeah, definitely. Well, I love what you're doing in this community and just in life and your vibe in general. Like oh. I always love talking to you. It's so calming. And I feel like it's just like, you feel walking away from talking to you. It's like, everything's going to be okay. Like that's how I always feel. You have that, well, thank you for creating that this energy. Space. Oh, you're so amazing. I just, you know, just to share vulnerably like that, like, I don't talk a lot about that Yeah, in our journey, but it is a big part of it. And it's just like, you know, you created that space. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And everybody please check out hold on baby. And where else can they get in touch with you? Lisa? I know you're on Instagram. Your handle is ivf.manifesting.a.miracle. Mm-hmm. So go follow Lisa White over there. And for coaching and everything, should they DM you or do you want, where would you like to send people? Yeah, DM is wonderful on Instagrams where I hang out a lot. My website is IVF Manifesting a Miracle, you can connect with me there. But I do respond to DMs and offer one on one private coaching as well as intimate group coaching. Okay. And then final last words, like, do you have anything for anybody who might just be feeling terrible and overwhelmed and scared and down in the dumps, like just anything, a message for anybody listening right now, that's just having a really hard time. Just for them to know that this chapter won't last forever, that there's a lot of support around for you. And I want them to recognize the strength they have within themselves to know not every day is going to be, you know, you're not going to be feeling strong every day. And it's important to allow the sadness to come over you, allow all the feelings Mm -hmm. to feel through it all. Like that's healthy. That's a healthy part of this process. I grieved a lot. I cried a lot. I talked with people and I wrote things out. So just to nurture yourself as best as you can on this path that you know, it takes you, I think we talked about this in a a fertility rally support group. Like it takes you being a strong mama, right. To hold on to you as you're becoming, you're becoming this, this mom to be, to be mindful of just how powerful you are and that you can get through this really difficult, difficult ride. So just know that this feeling of just sadness is maybe temporary but there are brighter days ahead. All right. Thank you so much to Lisa White and check out her book, Hold On Baby. You can also find her on Instagram. 
and she is just a great resource for making you feel good and giving you that hopefulness, but not toxic positivity. She really toes the line there and it's really awesome. So thanks again to Lisa. Guys, don't forget to check out Fertility Rally. We are a community. We do curated events. We have four support groups per week. We constantly have new things being added to our website, new videos, new blog posts, new articles, new resources. And we also have three private Facebook groups and we would love to have you as part of the family. It's the place that Blair and I wish we had when we were in the midst of it. And we open the first week of every month for new members. So we will be opening again very, very soon. So check us out on Fertility Rally on Instagram, or you can go to fertilityrally.com. You can get on our wait list if we're not currently open. And if we are, definitely check us out and become a part of the fam because you deserve support and you deserve to know that you are not alone no matter what you're going through. Thanks again for listening. And I will talk to you guys next time.